The following is a message by Pastor Ken Prater of Durkeytown Baptist Church in Fort Edward, New York. For more information about Durkeytown, please visit our website at www.durkeytown.org. That's D-U-R-K-E-E-T-O-W-N dot O-R-G. In your Bibles, please, Matthew 1. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph... Son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child, And shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. And now I pray, O God, that the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. According to a paper published in Frontiers and Network Physiology, and just to be clear, I don't read a lot out of Frontiers and Network and Physiology, but I thought it was a really helpful illustration. Um, If you are a subscriber to that magazine, just let me know how it goes. But that was a good illustration. Uh, it's, it, anyway, according to this, this paper, scientists, so scientists are involved, so that's good. Scientists claim a person's uh, brain is not meant to be awake after midnight. Now, I'd like to talk to some of the moms and Stephen Armstrong, I know work shift work. Um, some of others maybe work shift work. You know, what do you think? A person's brain is not meant to be awake after midnight. Neurologists at Massachusetts General Hospital reviewed evidence regarding the link between brain function, the body's sleep-wake cycle, and human behavior at night. And they discovered chemicals in the brain change driving negative shifts of uh, attitudes and behavior. And uh, again, people tend to think more negatively of the world at night than during the day. They are more likely to act out on violent behaviors like homicide and rape. Substance abuse, according to the research, is also higher illicit drug use and binge drinking. 
And then it quotes this, there are, there are millions of people who are awake in the middle of the night and there's fairly good evidence that the brain is not functioning well. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, functioning as well as it does during the day. Study, uh, the author of the study, Dr. Elizabeth Clareman, said in an interview, and then she adds, and I, I heartily join her concern, my plea is for more research to look at that because their health and safety as well as that of others, <laughs> is affected. Is affected. You know, while the research may be true that the brain is not meant to be awake after midnight, something else is true. And the church, by the way, should be very confident in saying this, that God does some of his most important work in the dark. That God does most of his important work in the dark. Which, by the way, is cause for great rejoicing. Because we live in a very dark time. As did Joseph and Mary. When Matthew gives his accounts of the birth of Jesus, or as the King James Version puts it, in this wise. I always like that in the King James in this wise, he sets the story in darkness. There is the, the darkness of Israel's captivity, which is the first part of Matthew 1, the deportation, and now under Roman occupation. There is the darkness of confusion, as Joseph is made aware that Mary, uh, the young woman he is betrothed to, is now pregnant. Confusion has a way of pushing us into darkness, doesn't it? So serious, by the way, right, was that situation that Joseph considered sending her away to keep her from public shame and humiliation. And according to Matthew, it's not during the daytime, but it's at night in a dream when Joseph is visited by an angel who sheds light on the circumstances that surround Mary's pregnancy. And then, of course, there's the darkness of the condition, the spiritual condition of God's people. Not only are they held in captivity under Roman rule, but they are also held in captivity by a power that neither they nor their ancestors could overcome. As Matthew tells us, that Jesus came to save his people from their sins. Sin being the power that even today, people in and of themselves are not over, able to overcome either the power of or the penalty of sin. God does most of his important work in the dark. And as we gather tonight to celebrate the birth of Jesus, of course we do this in what is considered the darkest time of our calendar year. December darkness is a visceral reminder that we are really no different than the people in Matthew's story. Our story, like theirs, is a story set in darkness. For some, right, it's the darkness of the valley of the shadow of death. Or uh, we Americans see uh, increasingly the darkness and the oppression in our nation divided and 
hostile and violent. And then, of course, there's the darkness. Like Joseph, when circumstances are not favorable and, and we tend to be confused about what God is actually doing in those circumstances. And then there is the darkness of our community's spiritual darkness as people drift further and further away from God and the church. Darkness. But you know, if we choose to read the story of Jesus as it is meant to be read, we can begin to take comfort because light comes as the living God takes action. See, in the midst of all of this darkness, God, who knows no darkness, right, is taking action on behalf of his people. You know, a few Sundays ago, I pointed out that God began to make all things new immediately after darkness entered the human scene. The birth of Jesus is not the beginning of the action that, Jesus, or that God is taking, but instead Jesus is understood to be central to the action. In other words, he's the action hero. I mean, if you, I know action hero movies are kind of going away, and some of us would say good, um, but if you want a true action hero, look no further than Jesus Christ. He is the central figure in the action that God is taking to save the world, to redeem the world. Jesus is both the seed of the woman who comes to crush the head of the serpent, and Jesus, as uh, we read earlier from Samuel, is the one through whom God is building a house for his name, the one who's throne will be established forever and so we celebrate the birth of Jesus with all of its warmth and all of its wonder but we also celebrate it as part of the ongoing story of God taking action to redeem the world from the grip of darkness the grip of death that came when sin of course entered the world and you know if you're not aware of how the story of Jesus unfolds in the Bible, we would count it a real privilege to help you become aware. And, and here's why. You know, we like to celebrate birthdays. You know, as a church, first Sunday of every month, we have people stand up and we sing happy birthday to them. There, there's a lot of joy in celebrating birthdays, but when that child is young and all of the excitement of that, one of the questions like in the back of our mind is, what are they going to become? Right? What kind of a person will they be? And so the birth of Jesus is wonderful to celebrate, but more importantly, who did he become? What did he accomplish in the 33 years afforded to him in, on this world. And so coming to a clear understanding of who Jesus is and what Jesus did and what Jesus is doing and what Jesus will in fact do has to be part of celebrating then Christmas as a feast and a holiday. It's more than a baby in a manger and we've been singing that all night long. 
He is the king born, king present with us, king who is coming. And, and so we have to ask, well, what did Jesus do? Well, simply put, he fulfilled the promises of God to bring salvation because all people, and that all would include you and it would include me, it would include villains, it would include heroes, it would include hard-working people, and it would include people that don't even think they need to be saved. Just think about how many people today really don't even think they need to be saved. But Jesus came to bring salvation to all people. And how did he do this? Well, of course, he had to do more than just show up. Showing up is important. But then he had to act. And this, too, is part of the story that needs to be understood. The action that Jesus takes, then, is one of perfect obedience. When you examine the life of Jesus, you are examining a life that was never disoriented by the darkness that surrounded him. He was never taken in by the deception that darkness may have offered him or the despair of the dark forces that surrounded him. And when Jesus Christ entered into the deepest darkness, into what we call the week of his passion, which is just really about three, uh, three months away from us gathering around in that week, when he does this in his suffering, he does so willingly. And why? Because people need to be saved from their sins. And the great darkness of his suffering for sins on a cross of wood, what happens? Light begins to pour in. It is after the darkness that the light comes when three days later our Lord and Savior Jesus walks out of the tomb as the first fruit of our resurrection. The light of the world is the hope of the world. Now, I don't know about brain and sleep and does it malfunction Stephen does it. I hope not. You're running machines. I mean, I hope you're not there just like dozing off. <laughs> but here's to what I do know. I do take hope on this night. That as the light of God's word shines on us, the night will in fact turn to day. And that as we come confessing our sins and receiving once again his salvation, the darkness will be gone. And on that great day to come, all darkness will be gone forever. And Jesus, the light of the world, will shine on us. And the glory within us, bearing God's image fully in the new heavens and the new earth, God's creation will shine forth in all of its glory. Our ability to rejoice this evening is found in the truth of Jesus who is the God of truth. We rejoice in Him and not in passing pleasures. And this is why as the church we speak eternal things. And when we do, you know what we find? We find joy to be the overflow of those things that we speak. In just a few moments, Mike will lead us in lighting candles and the Christ candle will be lit and we formed a bit of a 
tradition over these past years with the lighting of three Christmas trees. We, we try to hold off on lighting the trees uh, because we want it to be a moment when we think about the light of the world coming. In the narthex, we have the children's Christmas tree, that tree given by the Bolio family in mem memory of Millie, who for so many years worked and prayed for children in the church. And what a testimony she had, and that tree we light for our children. In the chapel, we have a big tree that shines as a light for our community, reminding people who drive by at night that the lights are still on, that perhaps they might want to come in and talk about Jesus, the light of the world. And in the side yard next to the chapel, we have Jack's tree, given to remind us that death is not permanent. That tree donated in memory of Jackson Nye, who was much loved, is much loved by his family and this congregation. And when we light that tree, we are reminded that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And as these trees are lit, I would encourage everyone then to ask and examine and then act on this question, is Jesus the light of your world? Is he shining on you every day through his word, his spirit dwelling within you? Is his joy the true joy of your Christmas celebration? And if not, we would love to share with you more about how this baby whose birth is celebrated by millions and millions of people is actually the king who is believed on in this world, the king who is coming again. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Ken Prater of Durkeytown Baptist Church in Fort Edward, New York. You may freely copy and distribute this message, but please do so at no charge and without altering the contents in any way. For more information about Durkeytown, please visit our website at www.durkeytown.org.